Hi there, how are you? I hope your day is just as wonderful as you. And if not, cheer up sunshine, you got this. Welcome to Charlie Joe's True Crime Corner, where we crack open a new case every week. I'm Charlie Joe, and in today's episode, we'll be discussing the tragic case of St. Louis Jane Doe. This one is a doozy, let me tell you. Anytime kids are involved, it just breaks my heart. It takes a special kind of sick to hurt a child. But what was done to this poor baby girl? Absolutely unimaginable. Let's get into it. If you couldn't tell, today we'll be traveling to Missouri. Home of the Chiefs, the Cardinals, and our precious Jane Doe. Buckle up, babies, because today we're going back to 1983. Grab your favorite shoulder pads, get your perm right, a floral print, perhaps, and maybe a little denim with more acid than the 60s. Ooh, let's have a little soundtrack. Total eclipse of the heart playing in the background. Maybe a little journey. Stop it. Some Lionel Richie. Okay, I need to focus. Focus, focus, focus. Here we are. It's a brisk mid-morning. February 28th, 1983. Local residents of the 5,000 block of Clemens Avenue are gathering together for a little cookout. Just to set the picture of what this area is, there are multiple apartment complexes on this street as well as the surrounding streets. Like, it's just block after block after block of big apartments. So there's a lot of people. It's a heavily populated, condensed area. And then there's also a walking path that kind of runs along this area these housing communities and it was heavily like used by the kids because like I said there's a lot of apartments so there's a lot of kids there and they called it like the children's highway because it took them past the park that was in the neighborhood and it took them past several schools which like keep the schools the multiple schools in mind because it will come up later and like this little walk path it goes all the way down to the zoo which is about five and a half miles away so it's like it's a good like it's a good distance it's a good stretch of walkway and what I'm getting at is like there are a lot of kids (laughs) there are a lot of kids in this area and it's not uncommon for them to be you know outside for groups of them to be hanging around walking their little path their little trail going to the park like this is the 80s you could say stuff like Stay outside until the streetlights come on. Did anyone else's parents do that? I'm pretty sure that was a thing. So anyways, we have a group of kids. And let me repeat this, a group of kids. Because there are some areas that try to make it out like they're just scallywags. But no, it's just like a group of little kids. They're out there being kids, rummaging around for stuff and just being children. And they decide, hey... While we're waiting for the barbecue, everyone's gathering together. Let's go check out this abandoned apartment. Like, they probably have some good stuff there. Because, I mean, it's abandoned. So, why wouldn't they? So, they roll on up. The front of the apartment was, like, blocked off. But they knew. And I'm assuming, I'm guessing that the abandoned apartment, it might have been, like, a little kick-it spot. Because they knew that they could get in through the back. 
So they roll on up into 5635 Clemens Avenue. The parents are across the way. They're getting the barbecue going, making sure, you know, auntie doesn't touch none of the sides because, you know, she don't season it right. So somebody's got to distract her. We've got one of the neighbors. She runs like a little makeshift corner store. She's got like a little stand where she sells like candies and snacks and stuff like that to the little kids just out there making her monies. And so everyone is just kind of out enjoying the day doing what they do. But all of that. All of that comes to a screeching halt. So when the kids who are like, they're 10 years old, like these are children that are down there in that apartment complex. And it's been, it's been abandoned for the last five years. That's why I'm guessing like that they knew to go in the back. Like I'm guessing that this was probably like a little kick it spot, but they go down there, which I'm sure they've probably been down there before and they're not prepared. Like they're not prepared for what they're about to see. They go down into the basement and it's dark down there. The windows have been boarded up. Obviously, the power has been shut off. So, like, it's dark down there. It's dark, damp, musty. Just, it's a dirty basement. And they're down there digging around, looking for stuff, seeing what they can find. And one of them lights a lighter. And in that dim glow, they see what they immediately recognize as a body, a little body. Like, could you imagine, could you imagine being 10 years old and seeing a dead person? Like, I, I would have lost it. I, I wouldn't, uh, traumatized. I would have been traumatized. So obviously freaked out. They run out of the building and they go and do what all kids do. They go tell the other kids. <laughs> So now we've got the next group of kids who were like, no, you didn't really see a body down there. Quit playing. You're playing. So no, they take now this second group of kids down with them and they flick their bick. And sure enough, there she is. Now, this is when they notice she's missing her her head. So they're all the way, like all the way. Like this is now a level 10 freak out. They run out. Like they're, mm-mm, they're, nope, they're out. They run out and they go tell some of the adults, like you, mm, like they tell them what's down there. I can only imagine, like I can only imagine the tear in those poor kids' faces. Oh, I couldn't even think about, even like, even when I was seeing some of the, like I'm a fully grown person. And when I was seeing some of the crime scene photos, like my, mm-mm my stomach was doing like somersaults it was just it was just so sad so I can't even imagine like how my how your brain would process it being so young but um so at this point they they go and they tell the adults because the second group that they took down I had some older kids like more teenagers and stuff like that so they go tell the adults and immediately like the adults go down and look and they're like no this really is a body so they're like immediately immediately 911 we need <laughs> we need you and at this point everybody kind of kind of starts to scatter they kind of most of the adults start leaving they don't want to be involved and like understandably you know police can have a certain way of treating the black community which is unfortunate that they've instilled so much mistrust in almost every minority community, to be honest, but so the story goes. And then on top of that, I mean, you can't really, at that point, you know, 
everybody being there is kind of more of just a hindrance because they don't really know like nobody they really knows anything about it so there's nothing they can really do but be like yep we went down there and we saw it you know so you know they they just start everybody starts going home that puts a damper the bar cook cookout is done <laughs> there's no more cookout the police arrive the little boys stay and you know tell them what they saw they like give their witness statement i'm sure they're traumatized like i don't know that do they offer counseling for that like what to do if you stumble upon a body they should they probably don't but the first reaction of the police is that she's probably just another drug addict prostitute who picked up the wrong john this was a low-income predominantly black community so you know judgments and bias were there <laughs> but um the original one of the original investigators he he had said like look not too far from here we did find a dead prostitute with her face missing so it wasn't too far of a jump for us to think maybe this was something similar like that's just how things go charming Luckily, though, they, they do eventually realize that she's a, a child and they kind of throw that theory out the window and, you know, start treating her with a little more respect, which regardless, like regardless what you're doing in your life, if you're if you're if you've been murdered, like the police need to take that as serious no matter what person, no matter what type of person you are, you know, everybody like nobody. No, I mean some people. Some people are just bad people. Like whoever did this, they they don't really deserve to still be walking around, in my opinion. But like for the most part, like nobody deserves anything bad to happen to them. Okay, anyway, let's get back to the story. And definitely, if you're sensitive at all, like warning, like earmuffs, maybe don't listen for a minute because. The following part, it's going to be a little graphic. We're going to discuss what all happened to our baby Jane Doe, like what made my, my tummy turn. And it, it was bad. It was bad. Um, okay, so let's see. So she was found wearing nothing but a V-neck yellow sweater. Her hands were bound behind her back with red and white cordage. She was laying what would be like face down she she was with her back up and the her bounded hands behind her she had short manicured red fingernails with the paint starting to chip and like that's what gutted me because that threw me back to being a kid and like I was such a tomboy so I would paint my nails but like within the next hour they would already be messed up because I wanted to be out there like playing in the dirt and building mud pies and swinging on the swings and falling down a lot I don't know I was really clumsy but any anyways back to the story and interesting enough the tag was cut out of her sweater and like I don't know why I found that interesting but I did maybe because the condition of the clothes were like so pristine so it was weird that the tag was cut out but yeah I found that interesting so the police they obviously seal off you know the basement they take all their photographs they try to now analyze the crime scene but I mean it's 1983 so like there's really not much they're doing other than like taking the pictures and you know the the guy coming in going yup she's dead and then like loading her up um, during the autopsy it was discovered that there was blood in her lungs and stomach 
uh, and that would imply that she had received some type of trauma to her face prior to being killed. It's assumed or like kind of figured that maybe her nose was broken, um, like severely broken to the point where it was bleeding and she was potentially choking and swallowing, like breathing in and swallowing that blood from the bloody nose. She was also like this, like the description in the coroner's report of the sexual assault was so just so horrendous she was you know also sexually assaulted it was so violent the brutality of the attack it it tore her little her little body apart um they know that she was alive for this assault due to the bleeding in the areas of her that were torn um they believe that after this she was then strangled to death due to bruising they found on the remaining portion of her neck it's so like in the coroner's report instead of referring it to as a neck they refer to it as a stump that's uh like it gives me chills like mm -mm, i couldn't handle that and after this obviously the killer removed her head the police believe that she was killed elsewhere and her body was left in the abandoned complex And that's due to the fact that there was kind of minimal blood found in the basement. Just there was like a piece of wood and like she had some leaves on her and just kind of like some debris of the basement. But um, there was only just like blood on like that piece of wood where her her the remaining part of her neck had been laying and they saw on the stairwell going down to the basement portion there was like smeared blood as if the killer maybe bumped into the wall with her body so they they don't believe that she was murdered down there they they think that this was just um where she was left the coroner during the autopsy confirmed that she was prepubescent and figured her age to be around 11 years old so yeah she was just a baby like just a baby you know, like I said, at 11 years old, I was still out playing with Barbies, making mud pie. Like, I was not, I can't even imagine. I, at 11, I probably was still naive enough to take candy from a stranger. Like, I can't even imagine. She was just a baby. The sheer terror and pain of this poor little girl's final moments are just, yeah, it takes a sick individual. On her neck, the coroner found mold and she found that to be kind of strange like she was in a damp dark basement but it just it seemed weird that it was only like located I guess in a this one it was only like located to her neck so the coroner did send it off like a sample of the mold she sent it to a mold institute I'm not sure if that's right, but she definitely sent it to a place to studies that studies mold. Okay. Okay. Yeah. To a place that studies mold. They were able to gather that the mold had grown over a three to five day period, which helped them kind of, I guess, nail in a time of death. Um, But they also found out that it was not a common mold. And it definitely, it wasn't something that would have naturally occurred in the basement. Like this mold, it only comes from like meat. 
leading investigators to think the instrument used on her had also been used on like like an animal like on some type of raw meat and along with the mold that they found in her neck they also found green specks of paint which are also assumed to have come from the instrument that must have been a tough uh, I don't know. I could never be like a medical examiner. I used to like think about it, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. That would, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Mm-mm. Oh, so let's see. So what does that, what does that do for law enforcement? Like, what is that? What is law enforcement able to do with all that information? And you know, honestly, I think they really did as much as they could. Once they got over the whole drug addict prostitute thing, I really think that they did everything at the time that they could. And I know it was, they were like kind of heavily criticized by the public that like, oh, you just didn't care because she's black. Like you, if she was a like a white girl, you would have found the killer right away. But honestly, I don't know. Like, cause they really don't have anything. So like, I really, I don't know. I don't know what else they could have done other than what they did. I think the original investigators did the best that they could since then things got a little questionable but um okay remember how i said let's circle it back remember how i said there was a walk path that passed by a lot of schools well yeah if you weren't aware and like this isn't something that's just to this area like this is a lot of school systems in like low income black areas especially kind of like in the south and places like that it's not it's not the same it's not the same as other areas like, I honestly stopped counting at about 25 elementary schools in the area. There are more, and there are more. I just, I stopped counting. And, like, I'm sure, I can only imagine, and that's, like, right now, you know, you can just pull up, like, a Google Maps and look. Like, I can only imagine it was even more messy back in the 80s. So, like, police, they they don't have any... One of the first things they do is, like, check with, you know, missing persons. Like, do we have any missing children? No. They don't have any that fit her description. They check on the National Missing Persons Database. They don't have anyone reported missing that matches her description. Like, nobody. So they they kind of have nowhere to go. So what they start doing is all of these schools, they start, like, they start checking in with them. They canvassed the area as hard as they could. Nobody, because this is like a pretty tight knit like neighborhood. Like I said, like they're having like block style cookouts. Like there's a little candy lady on the corner who actually worked kind of right next to this abandoned apartment. Like that's what I'm saying. This was kind of like a central meeting spot. So if she was known, the community would have known her, you know? So they go to the next step and that's checking attendance in all the local schools. And this is like I bless their little hearts because this was no easy task due to budget cuts at this time there were no school secretaries and majority of the schools had no computer database to just like run a quick check like no someone had to physically go and search for the records and then skim through them like page by page checking all the kids and seeing if any were, you know, reported absent for extended periods of time. And which, like, that in and of itself would have been challenging enough. 
But something that happens with these schools is because, you know, people move in and out and like schools get overflowed and things like that. Kids will get bounced from school to school to school to school. You might start out at one school, but by the end of the year, you've been in two other schools. And like, that's just how it goes. Like kids get kind of shuffled around. So they're, they would maybe like get lucky and think like, oh, okay, this kid is missing. But then they end up finding out, no, they just got bounced to another school and they've been here every day. So it's just like, it was, it was a tedious process. I couldn't even imagine. And like I said, nothing was computerized. So this was like people physically, manually, they're waiting to hear back. And they do this all throughout, all throughout the district. They go into neighboring districts. They go into, they make it all the way out into Illinois and they don't find anything like they, nothing, every kid is accounted for. Like every kid is apparently going to school and there's like everything is followed up on. There's no missing kids. They also, they checked um, for kids registered for, registered for school buses. They didn't have any missing kids. And they also checked, they had um, like children who were receiving aid, like food stamps or things like that. That was, like they said, luckily that was computerized. So they were able to get like a kind of a roster and they were able to check in on all those kids. Nothing. Every girl in their age range was accounted for. So it's like after that, where do you go? Literally, no kid is missing. Like, no kid matching her description is missing. And they didn't know what else to do. The case, it essentially goes cold. There was nothing else they could do. They they say they worked the DNA and the hair there was also found on her body was one um, white hair that they believe was a pubic hair. And one of the interesting things, I was watching a documentary, one of the interesting things was like, oh, so it could have came from another officer? Like, pump the brakes. Why would an officer be leaving pubes behind? Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. So that part, like, that I found to be a little weird. But then, like, the detective gets, like, really, like, closed mouth about the DNA and the sample. And he doesn't, like, go into detail on what was done with it. And even looking online, I couldn't really find out too much of what they did. But... He says that they worked it and that there was nothing else they could do. So I don't know. That seems like kind of sketchy to me. But yeah, like I said, they tracked down every elementary school child in the age range. They even went as far as sending her sweater, the whole sweater and rope used to bound her to a psychic in Florida. Yes, they sent the only like her only physical belongings, the only like things that they physically found with the body. They packaged them up and sent them to Florida. And guess what? The psychic, mm -mm. she gave them no new information. She gave them nothing. Shocker. Psychic, Florida psychic wasn't helpful. So here's the kicker though. When the medium sent the items back, the officer who received them, I guess, didn't know what they were, didn't think like, oh, hey, bloody sweater, this might be, I should probably, if I don't know what this is, I should maybe ask around. No, he threw them away. Yeah. And then like, they tried to stay like closed mouth about it and they tried to blame it. Like the psychic still had them and she's like, no, I sent it back. But like, no, they, they did receive them and they were disposed of. So they no longer have it. The only like, the only items like related to this case outside of the body they no longer have. And like, that's great. We can't do any like, you know, future testing, like 
technology has improved a lot since 83. But I mean, even if they could do any like testing, I guess they would have already been like probably contaminated by the psychic handling them and like would have been kind of null and void. But I mean, I really want to know though, like who thought it was a good idea to send her all the physical evidence? Like she said, I guess that she needed something the victim touched to like strengthen her connection to the spirit world and find her but like why couldn't they have just cut off a section like a little square like maybe a little sample size and told her like told her dude if you're psychic yo use your psychic powers i don't know things were wild back then but i mean that is like the police were trying to do everything they didn't want this like i said they were getting a lot of heat in the community that they felt that the cops were like kind of lazy on this case because of you know racial motivations or intentions I don't necessarily know I really do think they did everything they could but I mean including sending things to the medium like hoping but yeah so it didn't work out that didn't pan out for them but what they do have noted down is that the sweater was in like was in good condition like pristine condition like this child was loved at some point I mean minus obviously the blood from everything happening but if you took that out of the equation like the sweater it didn't look it wasn't like worn or like stretched out like it didn't have the little I want to say they're called like pills but I don't think that's how you say it but like those little balls that will like if you have you know like an older sweater how it gets like those little balls those little linty things on it like it didn't have none of that they said it even still had like the fold creases pressed into it like the sweater was still creased so I mean obviously at some point somebody was loving her taking care of her like I said she had her little manicure like it's just it's so strange it's so strange that you don't go from having somebody pressing your clothing to like not reporting you missing I just I don't get it that throw that throws me for the loop so let's see so eventually recently they did um they did exhume her body to do forensic testing to try to pinpoint because like I said they exhausted all of their options in Missouri so they're thinking you know maybe she came from another state and was like her body was just transported here when they go to do that her little marker was lost they didn't they didn't think they were going to find her body the cemetery she was buried at was sketchy to say the least the owner was doing like illegal burials she was stacking caskets on caskets she was moving old bodies so she could resell plots so she was moving like the head markers and stuff like that it was just awful like it was just awful they had to use um like surveying technology from the photograph of her funeral which is like the saddest thing to see like the photograph because it's like this little tiny baby casket and then they had set up chairs for if anyone was going to like, you know, attend the funeral. But obvi- there's like no one there. Like there's no one there for her. And like, oh, that just it broke my heart. Like even right now, like I, I get a little teary. I just seeing that little tiny baby casket and just those empty chairs. But they, they used that photo and like the surveying technology to like figure out like, OK, based on like that billboard and that tree, the casket was put in right here. It should be here. So that, that all ended up working. They were able to find her, you know, like nonetheless, they found her. She did have another casket on top of her. So luckily they kept going and were able to get to her and they were able to do like whatever testing that they did. But I mean, it didn't really give like definitive answers, to be honest. Like I was looking at it and basically 
she could have been anywhere from like the majority of the east coast like several states of the east coast to like almost anywhere in the south so like not really a lot was learned the one good thing though in my opinion resulting from this is that her body was moved to a new cemetery and she had a proper service a proper headstone place and like there actually were people at this funeral to just like and obviously they didn't know her but you know she she wasn't she wasn't alone when they did it this time there was people there and the next thing that they have done even more recently is to submit her dna to a national database so i thought this meant like 23 and me or something to that effect and like they would be able to explore kind of like everybody that's ever submitted dna but apparently not this is kind of like the same concept but you have to choose i guess when you're doing dna testing to be included in this separate database that law enforcement can use and i guess not many people elect to be in it and i don't know if that's because like they don't know or if they just don't feel comfortable because here's the thing the I don't know how to genealogist geneticist the woman looking for the matches in the database to our baby Jane Doe she came across two potential families that could have been hits that she could you know work a family tree from one had a lot stronger connection like she said if either one of them was ever going to lead back to to Jane Doe it would have been this one but the other one was still like it might it might get there and like even the one that's like a stronger connection she's like they're still we still would have had to make like a full family tree they're not even close relatives this would have been like a distant 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 they would have never even probably known each other in life and it like she's basically said it would have been a while it would have been time consuming but like she was excited because she's like it doesn't matter how long it takes we can do it so she reaches out she reaches out to both the matches the match that wasn't as strong and wasn't as likely, they they at first said they would they would help, and she's like, yes, we can do this. We can figure out who Jane Doe is. But then they ghosted her like a bad Tinder date and stopped taking her calls. Just disappeared, gone. So she's hoping that the match, you know, with the strongest connection, which still, like I said, isn't even that strong. It's would have been almost. It still wasn't even that strong. It belonged to an elderly woman who unfortunately has passed. She's no longer with us. And I believe that she spoke to either it was her daughter or her granddaughter. And they asked, you know, would your family be willing to help us create this tree and possibly identify this Jane Doe? She told her, don't ever contact us again. She then had her relative's profile removed from the database. So that's obviously unfortunate that's like that was their kind of like one shot at at doing this but you know it definitely speaks volumes on the levels of mistrust and that's to be honest that's pretty sad so currently police just hope that someone will upload their dna and leave it public so that they can make the match like literally they have no leads outside of hoping crossing a finger hope and a prayer that somebody uploads their DNA and includes it, I guess, in this extra database that police are able to see. And like, I don't know, it just, it seems like a questionable process. Like, you know, of course we hope and wish and pray that the right person leaves their profile open. 
And I wish they could have the full access to the 23andMe database because I know a lot of people do that. I know a lot of people get that done. And it's like, I mean, especially like for this, for the purposes of identifying a child, like we're just trying to put a name to a baby that's been passed on for years now. Like she had to come from somewhere, you know, by the condition of her sweater, somebody was taking care of her. So I don't know. That's wild. It's all wild to me. And like, like, I get it. Like the granddaughter's like, don't ever contact us again. Like, I get it to an extent, but it's like, ugh, that's ugly. <laughs> that's ugly. So I don't know. The thing, the only thing that's been keeping me up besides the whole case in general, I mean, like, obviously this is a pretty sick, sick case. It's a pretty disturbed individual that will do that to a child. But I did in all of my late night searches, I did stumble upon a girl who went missing from New York on February 25th, 1983. So just three days before Jane Doe was found. She matches the age range and description to a T. Like, and if you look at her missing persons photo, she's wearing like a very, very similar sweater to the one that baby Jane Doe was found in. And in her missing persons report, it, it says that she has like a tan overcoat, uh, blue jeans on, and in saying that she was wearing like a, a lasting in a gold sweater underneath that. And it's like, oh my goodness, like the sweater that Jane Doe was found in, like that could be considered a gold sweater. I don't know. Like people, and then not only that, but like people who knew this little girl, they said she was very neat and proper for like a 12 year old. Like she was always super clean and like, I don't know, they said she was very neat. And that brings me back to the press sweater. Like, was she was she one to crease her sweaters? Like, was she one to fold them with a crease? But the internet says that she isn't baby doe. I could only, yeah, and that's like the internet. Like, I could only find that on one subreddit where it says that DNA was used to officially rule her out. So, I mean, I guess take that how you will. But, like, nothing's nothing's listed on, like, either of their cases saying like yeah no we looked into it and these 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 two girls they're two di- they're two different girls like this isn't the girl from New York is not the body we found in Missouri like just one little line on reddit is the only thing that says that and i don't know like how do you even ask that like hello Missouri police how do i know they aren't the same girl i need answers so i can sleep at night thanks <laughs> could you imagine that call i the officer whoever took it they probably just hang up on me but anywho, what do you guys think? Do you think the police could, could do more? Do you think they could have done more? Do you think 23andMe should be like open to missing persons DNA as well? Especially like children. Like we're trying to find a child. Like it's not like, mm, I don't know. And like how did no one report her missing? Like I don't get that. Like it just seems like she was loved and taken care of before this happened. So I just don't get how no one reported her missing. And what does it mean, like, that they've worked the semen found? Like, that was one of my biggest questions. Like, he, the cop, he refused to go deeper into that. So what does that even mean, that they've worked it? I wonder, I wonder if, like, something shady happened to it, like, with the whole sweater thing. Like, I wonder if they somehow lost it or if it wasn't refrigerated or something. And so, like, all they did was, like, type it for, like, because I think that's all they could do back in the 80s was just, like, type it. And that's why he doesn't want to say anything about it because, like, they don't still... I don't know. I'm out here just making things up and having assumptions. So let me stop. 
and let's see so like yeah well that is kind of my question too about the semen like they can't do the dna phenotyping on jane doe because she's too young for it to produce an accurate image of what she would look like but like what about on the semen i'd like to know what he looks like or what about running his dna through the database to try to come up with familial matches like what does it mean you've worked it ah so many questions and no answers i just want to know like why there wasn't any family looking to her and how did this happen okay that's that's about all i've got for you this this one just made me sad like who does that to a little girl and how still after all of these years do we not have any answers do we not have someone hey my cousin went missing back in 83 <laughs> like how is it like no one's spoken up after all this time it's wild all right what do you guys think what do you what do you think what do you think happened to her who do you think she is do you think that somebody in the family maybe did this and that's why nobody's reported her missing but you would still think after all of this time somebody with a guilty conscience would say i had this one uncle or you know this one grandpa who was a little weird with the kids and then cousin stacy went missing like you think after now like somebody would have said something by now it's wild all right i need to go outside and get some sunshine drink my water mind my business process the tragedy process jane doe it's so sad until next time babes be kind be safe stay blessed